Amen. Wow. I am humbled today by the presence of God. I tell you, I'm What we need more than anything else is God's presence and power. Amen. Let me tell you what I never want to do. I never want to be comfortable in going through the motions, doing church without the power of God. Amen. Never want to see that. Never want to experience that. Without God's presence, without God's power manifesting himself among us, lives can't be changed. Listen, prayers can't be answered. God can't do what he wants to do without his presence and power at work among his people. And so that's what I hunger for. It's what I'm thankful for this morning, that we have been in the presence of God. And so what I want to do right now is just thank him for that. How many of you know that's a very fragile thing? Do you know that we can grieve the Holy Spirit? Do you know that we can hinder what the, God the Holy Spirit wants to do in our midst in a lot of different ways. Unconfessed sin can hinder the Holy Spirit. Unbelief can hinder the Holy Spirit. Attitudes of hatred and anger against your brothers and sisters in Christ can hinder the Holy Spirit. There's a whole lot of things that can hinder the Holy Spirit. Irreverence can hinder the Holy Spirit. So there's a lot of things, according to the Word of God, that can hinder what God wants to do, but I don't want to do that this morning. I want to remain in the presence of God and experience His power in this service today. How about you? So let's pray and ask God to have His way and will, and let's thank Him for what He's already done. Lord, we thank You for loving us. Lord, I'm thankful that today You have met with us. Your manifest presence has been in this place. And Lord, I am thankful that you are more than a feeling. But Lord, I'm thankful I can feel you. I know you're real. I know you're here with us today. And Lord, I'm asking you to take complete control of these services. Lord, that there be no hindrance today that would hinder you from doing what you want to do in the hearts and lives of people. Lord, we're praying that we be completely submissive to your will in every way. We're asking, Lord, that you would... Uh, today, move me out of the way, Lord. I, these people don't need to hear what I have to say in my own power. They need to hear what you have to say according to the truth of the Word of God and by your power, Holy Spirit. So work on me, work in me, and work through me, Lord. I'm asking that you would today use me as your mouthpiece to speak your truth to your people. I can do nothing without you, and I want to do nothing without you. And today, I'm asking that you would have complete control, do your way and will, in Jesus' name, amen. Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn with me to John chapter number 10. We are answering the question, what does Jesus do? We've been looking on the pages of Scripture for quite some time now, for at least three or four weeks, and trying to answer this question. Now, you must realize this morning that Jesus does a lot. Can you say amen to that? I mean, he does a whole lot. As a matter of fact, just by my words, my words are never going to be big enough to explain to you all that Jesus does. I plan on spending the rest of my life, as long as I've got, giving God all I've got, telling people who Jesus is and what he does. But I can promise you I don't have long enough. <laughs> my words are not big enough and my time is not long enough 
for me to be able to describe to you who Jesus is fully and what he does fully. But what we can do is look to the pages of Scripture because that's where truth is found and we can see most of the things, many of the things that Jesus does in our lives. So this morning, my prayer is that we gain revelation through the inspiration of the Spirit that would cause dedication in the life of the believer. Can you say amen to that? We need to be dedicated to who Christ is and what he does. So what have we found out so far? We found out three things so far. First of all, we found out that Jesus saves. If you believe it, say amen. The Bible says, Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, there is no other name under heaven whereby men might be saved except the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you understand this morning? There are not many ways to heaven. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father except by me. There are many different belief systems in our world today, but just because someone passionately believes something does not make it truth. Truth is Jesus, and if you're going to experience truth, and no truth, you've got to know him. He is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. I was discussing with my brothers in Christ this morning at our men's meeting. I know we had a fantastic men's meeting this morning. It's starting at 8 o'clock, and so thankful for that group of men that come together and met this morning, and that was a blessing to me, and it encouraged my heart just sharing with them and hearing them share about who God is and what God is doing, and just bless my soul. And if you missed out on men's meeting this morning, you missed a blessing. If you missed out, you missed out. You say, well, I heard somebody tell me, well, Brother Israel, I just forgot about it. Well, that's a funny thing to me. It's a funny thing to me that you, you, you don't forget about going to work. It's, it's a funny thing to me that you don't forget about eating. Let me tell you why you don't forget about going to work. You don't forget about going to the table and sitting down and getting something to eat because that's important to you. And so I just want you to know the things of God ought to be important to you. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. I believe that men need a challenge to be men. I like to be challenged. If I'm not challenged in something, I want no part of it. If it don't stir me a little bit, if I'm not challenged to become better in whatever I'm doing, then I don't want to do it. So let me give you a challenge. My challenge to you as brothers in Christ is follow hard after the Lord Jesus. My challenge to you is make God a priority in your life. My challenge to you is to glean from Scripture truth that will change your life and change your family. My challenge to you is to be men of God that God is pleased with that your family needs. That's my challenge. That's not my message, but that don't cost you nothing extra. Jesus saves today. We found that out, but let me tell you something else we found out. Jesus sanctifies. To be sanctified means to be cleaned up, set apart for the purpose of God. Now, how many of you know Jesus loves you just like you are? Have you ever heard that? Jesus loves you just like you are, right where you are. Man, that is absolute truth. Right where you are, just like you are, Jesus loves you. You don't have to clean up and come to Jesus. You come to Jesus to get cleaned up. It is absolutely truth that Jesus loves you right where you are. But let me tell you something. He loves you too much to leave you like he finds you. 
Once a man has been born again, once a man or woman has been saved by the power of God through the work of the Holy Spirit, let me tell you what happens. The process of sanctification begins where the God the Holy Spirit begins convicting your heart and through the truth of the Word of God, you get a hold of truth that you apply that changes you to be what God wants you to be. Jesus said, John 17, 17, praying to His Father, He said, Father, sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. Jesus saved, Jesus sanctifies. Let me give you another. Jesus enables us to serve. Amen. You know what the Bible says in Psalm 102? It says, serve the Lord with gladness. I don't know about you, but I like serving the Lord. I enjoy serving the Lord. Me and our dear brother in Christ was talking about on a mission trip two weeks ago, man. We was in Macon, Georgia. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. Um, we went to Macon, Georgia, and I wasn't ready for what I encountered when I got there. I have been blessed with the job I've got. I am so very thankful for my job. But I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me very plainly. I forgot what real manual labor is all about. But when you get up on a hump of a house, you start tearing off shingles and putting on shingles, you find out real quick what work is all about. Man, I was hot and I was sweating and dirty and man, it just give slam out at the end of the day but at the end of the day being there working with the people of God being there ministering for the Lord and the lives of people in that community listen loving Jesus loving people speaking truth into people's lives encouraging the brethren when I got down I was physically worn out but I was spiritually full and I told our folks my cup runs over and it truly does service is not always easy Service can be a challenge in whatever area God has called you to serve, whether it be preaching a message or singing a song or praying a prayer or teaching the class or roofing the house or painting the house or doing whatever you're doing for the Lord. It can be a challenge, but it's worth it. Serve the Lord with gladness. If you want joy in your life as a believer, get to serving Jesus. People who don't serve just sit down. And the longer they see it, they begin to get stagnant. And when they get stagnant, they begin to sour. And I don't know about you, but I've seen a whole lot of sour Christians sitting on church pews simply because they choose not to serve. Serve the Lord with gladness. Jesus enables us to serve. He don't need me, but praise God, He wants me. And He wants you. Jesus saves, He sanctifies, He enables us to serve. Let me give you one more this morning. How many of you believe that Jesus seals? Somebody ought to say amen to that. Jesus seals. This is a powerful truth. Listen to what the Bible says in John chapter number 10. Today I want to speak to you on the eternal security of the believer. John chapter 10, verse number 27. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Everybody look there in verse number 28. Watch how he puts it. And I give unto them, everybody say give, eternal life. How many of you know this morning that eternal life is a gift given by God, received by grace through faith? A gift is something you don't work for. It's not reckoned of debt, but of grace. So Jesus says, I give unto all who receive it eternal life. Now let me ask you this. When does eternal life stop? I, I, have, I have been given the privilege of sharing with our young people on Sunday morning during Sunday school and man it's been a blessing thus far and I've really enjoyed it and one of our young people this morning asked how long is forever? That's a good question. 
And, and I, ran, I, I run to the end of myself very quickly there because how many of you know you have a finite mind trying to understand the infinite? You have a, 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 a finite mind that can only go so far that it's trying to understand the eternal that just keeps on going. But that's good. I think she was grasping the concept of forever somewhat in the way that we all can grasp it with our finite minds. The Bible says we've been given eternal life. Eternal life does not uh, stop or periodically uh, come to an end. Eternal life is continual. It never ends. And so once you have truly received eternal life, listen, that life will continue forever. That's powerful. Jesus goes on and just, man, drives, it, drives the point home here. He says, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. To be perished means to be eternally separated from God. He said, that's never going to happen to those I give eternal life. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. If you believe God's word, say amen today. Now, what I'm about to share with you, folks, listen. It is not an incidental teaching. A lot of people think, well, you can take it or leave it when you're talking about eternal security. This is not incidental. I'm arguing this morning, according to the Word of God, this is a fundamental teaching. Without the fundamental truth of the eternal security of the believer, you're going to miss out on joy and peace and purpose that God has for you. Why do I uh, want to share with you this fundamental teaching? Well, for three reasons. First of all, it's necessary for your spiritual health. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If, physically speaking, if, if I had to wonder day by day whether or not I was still the child of Brian Price, that would drive me nuts. I mean, today I'm a good boy, and, and man, things are going well, so I'm my father's son. But tomorrow I may not be a good boy, and I may not be my father's son. Today I'm loved of my father, but tomorrow I may not be loved of my father. Today I'm received of my father. Tomorrow I may not be received of my father. Now, physically speaking, if I had to worry about that, because I love my father so much in the physical, if I had to worry about that day by day, I'd be a mess. Emotionally, I'd be all over the place. I'd be up here one minute, down here the next. It'd be just like a roller coaster in my life. Amen. Some of you probably experienced that. Not in the physical, but in the spiritual. Now, what's true in the physical is also true in the spiritual. If I have to wonder day by day whether or not I'm still God's child, listen, I'll be up here one minute and I'll be down here the next. I'm a good boy one day, and if I think that my good works, my self-righteousness keeps me in good standing with God, that somehow today I'm God's child. But if I blow it tomorrow, then I'm not. And if then the next day, if I'm good, then I am. And then I'm not. One day I'm received of God. The next day I'm not received of God. One day I'm in the family. One day I'm out of the family. Man, you're an emotional mess. So if your spiritual health is going to be, listen to me now, what God wants and what you need, you need to know that you are eternally secure. That's why Jesus says this in John chapter 10. It's for our spiritual health. But let me give you another one. It's for our spiritual productivity. Let me share with you what Jesus says, John chapter 15. John 15 says it like this. Jesus said, I am the vine. I got a series of messages I'm going to preach on the vine. I can't wait to share it with you. We're probably going to do that next month. But Jesus said, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. And he that abideth in me shall bear 
Much fruit. Amen. We got some students of scripture here. Shall bear much fruit. I love that. So according to what Jesus says, our lives as, as Christians are supposed to be producing fruit of the Spirit. We're supposed to be producing what the Bible calls fruit, and fruit is nothing more than the life of the vine being pressed out through the branch. So as the life of Christ is pressed out through me, listen, fruit becomes evident in my life and in your life. But our productivity spiritually speaking, will not be what it needs to be if we don't know whether or not we've saved one day from the next. You got me? So it helps in our spiritual health. It helps in our spiritual productivity. Let me tell you something else. It helps when we are evangelizing the lost. There's a lot of people, there may be some sitting right here in this place this morning, that, and I've talked to a lot of people. They'll say, Brother Israel, I tell you what, I'm not going to make a false commitment and then not be able to do what I said I was going to do. So I'm not going to follow Jesus. A lot of people feel that way. They don't want to make a, st a false start and then fall away. Right? They don't want to say, man, I'm going to get in there all together and man, we're going to serve the Lord and then them knowing themselves that they can't keep what they're saying they're keeping. And so they say, if I can't keep it, then I'm not going to do it. Now, how does eternal security help us as children of God to evangelize the lost? What we're going to share this morning is that salvation is not about you holding on to God. Salvation is about God holding on to you. That's why Jesus said, they're in the palm of my hand. Amen. And no one can pluck them out of my hand. I and my father are one. My father is greater than I and nobody can get them out of my daddy's hand. So it helps in those three ways. Now what I want to do over the course of two Sunday sermons, this week and next week, we're going to talk about the eternal security of the believer. I'm going to give you three points this morning and five points next week. Can you deal with it? Is that good with you? I was wanting to give you all of them this morning, but I just seen that we're not going to be able to do that. I think I could do it, but I don't know if you could do it. I'll try to talk fast if you'll listen fast, and we'll cover these three in just a moment, then we'll get the next five next week. How about that? So let's share what the Bible says. First of all, all of them are going to start with a P. I like using P. I think when you go through the Word of God, P is easy to use, and it's easy for you to remember. First of all, I want you to know the promise of God. The promise of God for the, the security of the believer. Now, but before we get to the promise, let me share something with you. I'm talking about the security of the believer. Everybody say believer. believer. Now, listen to me. You need to get a hold of this. Not everybody who says they are a believer is a believer. Jesus made this clear in Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. You remember the scripture. Jesus said at the last judgment day, there's going to be many that say, Lord, didn't we preach? Didn't we teach in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do this? Didn't we do all that? And what's Jesus going to say to them? He's going to say to them, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, for I never knew you. There are some people who claim the name of Jesus but have never truly been born again. According to Matthew 7, 22 and 23. Jesus does not say, I knew you, then I lost you. Jesus said, I never knew you. So you, you say, Rose, what about those people that man used to be saved but ain't saved no more? Anybody who used to be saved but ain't saved now never has been saved. Amen. 
How many know you can fool other people? Listen to me, folks. You can even fool yourself, but you can't fool God. You can fool yourself into believing something that isn't true about you. That's the truth. But you cannot fool God. And Jesus said, I never knew you. Now, let me give you another scripture. A lot of people say, well, brothers, what about those people that, man, they come in, they get baptized, they serve the Lord for a little while, then they leave out of the church. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says there. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 19. Brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Watch what the Bible tells us. 1 John chapter number 2. Verse number 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. That's pretty clear, isn't it? See, if you're serving Jesus and then you go back to the world and you don't come back by the conviction and the chastisement of the Holy Spirit, you were never saved at all. That's what the Bible tells us. Can we fall? Can we stumble? Absolutely. But as a pattern of your life, if you get out in the world and you just turn your back on the Lord and never come back to the things of God through conviction and chastisement, then you can't say you're a child of God. No matter how many times you've been baptized, no matter how many times you've signed a card, no matter how, good, how many good things you do. See, when I'm talking about believers' baptism, I'm not just talking about people who signed a card and joined a church. I'm not talking about people who have a head knowledge. I'm not talking about people who do a lot of religious activity. I'm not talking about people who give to the church. I'm not talking about people who simply just study their Sunday school lesson. All of those things are well and good, but let me tell you something. None of those things make you a child of God. The only thing that makes you a child of God is if you've been twice born, blood-bought, born again. If you've been made a partaker of the divine nature of God, if God the Holy Spirit has done a work on the inside, then it's continually doing a work on the outside, then you can claim the name of Jesus. Believers security. How many of you know Judas is sometimes brought up when talking about this? I had a man tell me one time that Judas once was saved, but then he lost his salvation. Folks, Judas never was saved. He was a pretender. He had a head knowledge of who Jesus is, but it never made it to his heart. The greatest distance between, for, for, the distance for most people to a devil's hell is about 18 inches. That's the distance from their head to their heart. See, a lot of people know all the facts and figures about Jesus. They might even believe there was a Jesus, but Jesus has never made a lasting difference by the person of the Holy Spirit in their life. How do I know that? Because I was once there too. I made a commitment to the Lord when I was a little bitty boy. And I was sincere as I knew how to be at that time, but I'm going to tell you something. Later on in life, God began to convict my heart tremendously to the point that I had to just call out hopeless and helpless in the Lord for salvation. I'm not saying you can't get saved at a young age. I'm just saying I knew it was real when God made it real to my life. And so eternal security is given to the believer, them who have not only a head knowledge but a heart knowledge, them who have been twice born, blood-bought, born again into the family of God. They've been made partakers of the divine nature of God. And to these people... God gives a promise. Romans chapter 8. Everybody look over there with me. Romans chapter 8. And let's look down at verse number 38. Now you need to underline this verse. Put a star by it. Circle it. You're going to need this throughout your life. All right? 
Commit it to memory even. Look what it says, Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the church said, absolutely. I mean, Paul runs the gambit here. He, he says, he, he, you name something that he don't bring up. He brings up 10 things. He gives us a list of 10 things that says 10 opponents of our salvation. Hey, sweetie. How are you doing? Isn't that precious? Look at that. My goodness. I'd take you home with me, girl. Yeah, you're a sweet girl. Golly. I know it's hard for y'all to listen to me. That's hard for me to preach. I'm sitting here looking. How sweet as she can be. My goodness. Now listen to me. Paul gives us ten things that are opponents of our salvation of the grace of God. And he says none of them can separate us from the love of God. And he tells us a lot of stuff. Listen to what he says. Let's go through them. Verse number 38 says, I'm persuaded that death. Death cannot separate you from God's love. How many of you know death for the believer is nothing more than changing addresses? My last breath on earth is followed by my first breath in heaven. Praise God, folks. I don't look forward to death, but I'm ready for death. I heard a story one time about a little boy. He was sitting over to the right uh, in, 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 the, in the sanctuary and, and his pastor was up there preaching, man. He was talking about how Jesus might come back today and if they was ready to go to heaven and, man, if you were ready to meet the Lord through death and, boy, he was just preaching hellfire and brimstone. He said, everybody in here this morning who wants to go meet Jesus today, just raise your hand. Everybody raised their hand except this one little boy to the right and it caught the pastor's attention. He said, son, you mean you're not ready to go meet Jesus? He said, oh, yes, pastor, I want to go to heaven. I want to go meet Jesus, but I just thought you is getting up a load for today. <laughs> now, folks, listen to me. I love life. I love my wife, love my family. I want at least 60 years with my wife. I hope that God gives us at least that. I want to see my kids grow up, my grandkids. I want to see what God does at Mount Zion Baptist Church. I want to see how God uses me in my ministry. I want to see all that God has for me. I enjoy life. I love it. I can't wait to see what Alabama does this next football season. I want to catch a big old 10-pound bass before I die. Folks, I want to kill a 14-point buck. If it's possible, that weighs 250 pounds. Can you say amen? I love life, but I'm ready for death. Why? Because I know not even death can separate me from the love of God. Death can't separate you. Life can't separate you. How I many know in life we all got stuff, don't we? See, there's some stuff that's happened to you. Maybe some stuff is happening to you right now. Emotional pain, physical pain, sickness, loss of a loved one, relationship problems. I'm talking about stuff that life throws at you. And sometimes in the midst of our stuff, whatever it looks like, we wonder whether or not God's with us and for us and loves us. According to Romans 8.38, not even life and the stuff it brings can separate you from the love of God. Isn't that good? <laughs> Let me give you another one. Nor angels, good angels or bad angels. Good angels are those who are still serving the Lord. Bad angels are demons who fell from grace. I mean, no, Satan's, Satan's angels did fall from grace. We cannot. Let me tell you why. Satan's angels, listen to me. <laughs> I want you to get this. Don't know redemption. And we do. That's a different message for a different day, but that's, think about it. We have, a, we have a relationship with God that the angels don't even have. Wow. 
So he says, uh, death, life, angels. How many know Satan is an angel? He's just a fallen angel. How many know Satan himself cannot separate you from the love of Jesus? Principalities, that means kingdoms. Kingdoms can't separate you from the love of Jesus. Powers, that means authorities. Authorities cannot separate you from the love of Jesus. Things that are in the present, things we're dealing with today, it can't separate you from the love of Jesus. Things that are to come. That's what might be created in the future. That can't separate you from the love of Jesus. I'm amazed at how many Christians worry about what tomorrow holds. I'm talking about they're chewing their fingernails to the bone. About everything. Listen, things that are to come cannot separate you from the love of Jesus. None of us know what tomorrow holds, but praise God, the believer knows who holds tomorrow. And none of it separates you from Jesus. Then he gives you another one. Verse number 39. Nor height, things in heaven... Can't separate you from the love of Jesus. Nor depth, things in hell, can't separate you from the love of Jesus. Nor any other creature, anything else, can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know you can't even separate yourself from the love of Jesus? According to Romans 8, 38 and 39, ain't you a creature? Aren't you God's creation? You can't even separate yourself from the love of Christ. Why? You have the promise of God in Romans 8, 38. And 39. Not only do I want you to know that, folks, you have the promise of God in Romans 38, Romans 8, 38, and 39. I want you to know you have the perseverance that God brings to his people, according to Philippians 1.6. Everybody turn over to Philippians 1.6. Let's look there for just a moment. Watch this. Philippians 1.6 says, being confident. Where is your confidence found? What are you confident in? Paul says he is confident. Watch this. That he which hath begun a good work. The God who began the work at the moment of conversion, at the moment of salvation, is the God who will continue the work until the day of Jesus Christ. See, Paul's confidence is not in himself. I don't believe in the perseverance of the saints. I believe in the perseverance that Jesus gives the saints because of the work that he started. Amen. Again, I'm not keeping myself in the hand of God. The hand of God keeps me. It's amazing. Now, let me, let me, I want you to understand this. The Holy Spirit performs the supernatural work of salvation. It's a gift of God. Matter of fact, we have, the only thing we really have to do with salvation is wanting it. God does the rest. God the Holy Spirit began the work. Let me give you three truths about God the Holy Spirit and His work in salvation. Number one, the Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit shows you your need for a Savior. Do you remember that time when God began tugging at your heart? You began seeing your need for a Savior. You knew that you were lost and undone. Anybody else ever experienced that? Raise your hand if you have. Amen. Me too. Me too. God began showing me my great need for the Lord. He convicted my heart. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts my heart of sin. He even gives me the faith to believe. I mean, he does it all. 
He convicts, then guess what he do? He converts. We are baptized into the body of Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit. He converts us by His supernatural power. He gives us His divine nature, which gives us a new desire. That's why your want-tos change. I was talking to a brother just last week, and he's talking about how his mind was changing since he had trusted in Jesus. And I said, praise God! How his desires have changed since he had trusted in Jesus. Praise God! God, the Holy Spirit is the only one that can do that. And if your desires have never changed, you've never been saved. I don't care how much you come to church or how much you get to the church or how many times you've been baptized. If your desires have never changed, brothers and sisters, you need Jesus. Amen? He convicts, he converts. Let me tell you what else he does. He completes. And what God the Holy Spirit sets out to do, he will finish. If he started it, he'll finish it. Praise God. How you know I can't quit what I didn't start? You can't quit what you didn't start. The Holy Spirit began that work. And what God begins, He will finish. He gives us perseverance to overcome anything that we face in this life. It's amazing. I heard a story one time about two little boys talking about their daddies. Jimmy looked over at Billy. And he said, Billy, my daddy has a list of all the men that he can whoop. And I've looked at it. And Jimmy looked at Billy and he said, Billy, your daddy's name is at the top of the list. Well, that fired Billy up. Matter of fact, he went home and told his daddy what Jimmy had said. He went in and he said, Daddy, Jimmy's daddy has a list of all the men that he can whoop and your name is at the top of the list. Well, that fired Billy's daddy up. And Billy's daddy went over to Jimmy's daddy and he said, I heard that you had my name at the top of the list of all the men that you could whoop. And he went to unbuttoning his shirt sleeves, stretching out, man, getting ready and rolling up his sleeves. And he said, now what are you going to do about it? You said you could whoop me. What about it now? He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to take your name off the list. <laughs> but let me tell you what I'm glad of. Whatever opponent we have that comes against our faith in Christ, against our salvation, God never has to take one person off the list. My God, my Father, is big enough to beat any opponent that comes against me because what he starts, he finishes. Philippians 1.6 you need to see the promise of God. You need to see the perseverance that God gives through His power. But you also need to see your position in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's look there. Watch this. Y'all know this verse. Y'all love it. I love it. You'll love it. If you don't love it, get to loving it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. Therefore, Dr. J. Vernon McGee always says, if you see the word therefore in the Bible, you better see what it's there for. And I agree with him. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, everybody say in Christ. He is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things, they're become new. So how many of you know when you get saved, your position changes? You go from being outside of Christ to being placed in Christ. Now what does it mean that we are in Christ? This is an amazing thing. This is a, a deep spiritual truth that you've got to get a hold of. It'll give you peace. Listen, it'll awaken you to your purpose. 
They give you power needed to overcome. We are in Christ, and that simply means, listen to me now, we are made partakers of all Christ is and all Christ has. I'm in him. I've made a part of his body. Praise God. I'm in him. He's in me. Romans 8, 17 says, I've become an heir to God and join heirs with Jesus. Now listen. A lot of people might say, well, Brother Israel, I believe I can fall out of his hand by my own doing. Listen very carefully. As a believer, as someone who's been blood-bought, I can't fall out of his hand. I'm his finger. Y'all must have missed that. I can't fall out of his hand. I'm his finger because I'm a member of his body. Isn't that what the scripture says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12? We are many members that come together to make up one body. You're in him. You can't lose it once you've been born again. Now the question is, have you been born again? Do you know that today? Have you been made a partaker of the divine nature? If not, today's the day of salvation. If you have been born again, let me encourage you. You are eternally secure in Jesus. And only you know whether or not it's real for you. But you know. You know. Deep down, you know. And I'm just saying that from experience. But deep down, you know. <laughs> if you don't know today, get sure. If you do know that God has been placed in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. You know that you're made partakers of the divine nation. You know that God's done a work on the inside that's done a work on the outside. There's nothing more blessed than that. Let me tell you the only thing more blessed than knowing you can be saved is knowing that you are saved. Let me tell you the only thing more blessed than knowing you can be saved and that you are saved. Let me tell you what it is. To know that you can't lose your salvation. Wow. That's amazing. Why can't we lose it? I'm not giving you this because it's a Baptist doctrine. I'm giving you this just because the word of God, Baptist doctrine, just happens to line up with what God's word says. You've got the promise of God, Romans 8, 38 through 39. Listen to me, you've got the perseverance God gives, Philippians 1, 6. And you've got the position in Jesus to claim eternal security. You can be at peace, brothers and sisters. You can be spiritually productive. You don't have to be all over the place, up and down and everywhere. You're in Christ. Christ is in you if you've been born again this morning. If you've not been born again, today's the day of salvation. Won't you come, brother? Come on up. I'm going to ask you to stand. This is your invitation. You'll be closing these services. If you need to be saved today, I can't save you. The same Jesus who has saved me can and will save you if you'll trust him this morning. You can be born again in the family of God right here today if you'll make the decision to trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. Repent of your sins, believe on him. The Bible says you can be saved. Today is the day. Don't wait. If you're not sure whether or not, I'd get sure this morning. This morning, right here, right now. Let today be the day that you nail it down, that you know you trusted in Jesus. If God's convicting your heart,
Oh, listen, don't wait. You'll never regret trusting in Christ. I've never regretted it. You won't either. Would you come if you need to be saved? If you are saved and you're looking for a church to serve in, how about you coming and being a part of what God's doing right here? You need to be baptized? You've been saved but you've never been baptized? We can handle that. You want to come pray for a lost loved one, for a need in your life? You've got some of that stuff that we talked about before that's hindering you? Guess what? Nothing gets you from the love of God. Not even life. Not even the stuff life brings. These altars are open for whatever you need. Would you come this morning?